This is Frank Helmer, and I'm the costume designer on Cobra Kai Seasons 1, 2, and 3. And you're listening to Cobra Kai Companion. Welcome back to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I'm Peter, and today's interview is with costume designer Frank Helmer. Frank, who has been working in the industry for over two decades, has worked on a variety of projects, uh, many of which to include 1998's Psycho, 2003 Italian Job, a few parodies like Epic Movie, Meet the Spartans, Disaster Movie, and TV shows like the reboot of Nana 210, Drop Dead Diva, Banshee, and Queen of the South. Frank shares the process of creating certain looks and some of the challenges in recreating some iconic looks and also new looks of some of the younger cast. I had a blast talking with him, and this is our conversation. Hey, Peter. Hey, Frank. How you doing? I'm doing real well. How are you? Doing the best that I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we all are, aren't we? Yeah. How's your uh, How's your brother doing? He's doing good, actually. He lives in a small town in Washington State where we grew up. Oh, no and okay. um, yeah, and he's doing real good up there. It's like it's uh, the town that he's in doesn't have a lot of a, a lot of cases, so he's um, it's pretty it's pretty manageable at the moment. But I'm still like getting to make masks and scrub caps and things for him so that it feels like I can help support whatever he's got to do because, you know, he saves lives. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So again, you know, I texted you yesterday, my uh, appreciation for him, you know, uh, answering the call of duty. You know, it's, it's tough yeah, out yeah, here. So, yeah, yeah, it really is. And the thing is, like, the thing that's really inspiring, I think, about this is that I feel like kind of everyone is kind of doing their best. You know, maybe not everyone, but I feel like a lot of people are really like taking it seriously, giving back. I've got a friend who's like, making masks on the scale of like thousands going around there digging up corporate sponsors to supply the fabric finding people to like you know pay for them pay for the factory to like make things to be able to give masks away to people and he like put a pattern for masks up on the web uh so people just download it and make their own if they have the sewing capacity it's it's i think that people are kind of like really um rising to the occasion which makes me happy I, yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I mean, even if it's as little as supporting people that are the essential employees, right? My yeah. um, my brother-in-law, who is a doctor in, oh gosh, is it Iowa? I feel like it's Iowa or Ohio. I, I'm mixing okay. up where he did his residency and stuff like that. But anyway, he shared a brief um, video in, on his Instagram story where he was walking through this uh, catwalk and there was a bunch of people in their vehicles honking for support as they were mm. walking through this breezeway or something. It was actually, it was very inspiring. That's so great. That's so great. I feel like there's a lot of that out there. Yeah, it's it's really important. Um, you know, I, I've said it on a few episodes uh, that I've done recently that we, we are all we got, you know, and, and yeah. I think it's very important and it's very nice uh, that everyone is helping out one another. I feel like these are the things, too, that they can remind us that we are all part of the same family. We all live in the same place. We all like we're all breathing the same air. You know, we may not agree about politics or about 
um, any number of things, but there is still this commonality that we're all here and that we're all human. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I tried scouring the best that I could online to try to find out some background about you. Um, it's, so I couldn't find a lot, but what I like to do is when I invite somebody on, I like to kind of hear what, where things started. You know, like, what is your earliest memory of when you were inspired to get into film, or where did your love of film start? I mean, honestly, it came from when I was in college, I was studying cultural anthropology and postmodern feminist theory and, and film theory. I've always been a film buff and I've always been enamored with telling stories on, on a big screen. And I really wanted to be an academic. But what I realized as I was going through that process that I didn't want to just analyze culture. I didn't want to just like talk about what this meant after the fact. I wanted to actually be part of making culture. And I realized that film and television is is the biggest way in which Western culture proliferates itself. And, and I wanted to be part of that. I wanted to be part of like making culture, not just dissecting it after the fact. So when I got an opportunity, I, would, I, I volunteered it at um, the Seattle, I'm from, I'm from the Northwest, uh, volunteered at the Seattle Film Festival for years and had the opportunity of meeting the different indie producers and directors through all that and had a friend of mine say, hey, my buddy is doing this, his student film. You should come down and do the costumes. You've got great style. I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, <laughs> I mean, as far as like doing clothes for a film, I was like, I had no clue. I, uh, I was designing a line of clothing up in Seattle, basically to subsidize my, um, my you know, basically to make a little extra money on, on the side. and. I came down and I slept on her couch for, you know, three weeks, faked it till I made it, you know, just made my way through the whole thing and realized that, that this was a, an opportunity to impact the world more than anything else. And that's, uh, I moved to LA six months after that. And, and that became, that became, uh, what I am today, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I see that, uh, you know, you had also written and directed a couple of shorts of your own. Uh, yeah. What was the transition there from writing and directing, then going into designing wardrobe? Well, the thing that the thing that's really cool about working on a film and television project is that you're a big collaborative machine. Everybody is as important, but each, each, each part of the process is as important to make it get, actually get up there, right? The, the, the gaffers that light it, the, the um, set decorators that, that make the set look good, um, the costume designers, the directors, the producers, all that stuff. That we all have our, our part that's important that makes that happen. But what's exciting about writing and directing is that you control the narrative, you control the story. And that's, exploring that as a part of the collaborative storytelling process where I am given somebody else's script, somebody else's story, somebody else's vision to help flush that out, you know, to take an actor's concept of the character and help that materialize costume-wise and, and add that layer of reality to transition from being a part of the story storytelling process to being the one who guides it more directly. So writing and directing is is very exciting in that in that respect because you you get to be you get to have more a little bit more control of the story you want to tell is that something you um are looking to possibly get back into at some point absolutely it's something that i keep that i keep um pursuing 
I realized after, after having done, I, my writing skills are not, I'm not very practiced at it. I'm not a very practiced writer. It's like a skill like anything else. And I'm not a natural at it. So finding the story, finding the script to add my vision to is the harder part because I'm not good at, I'm not good at writing it myself, to be quite honest. <laughs> now, you actually have a pretty lengthy um, credits here to, to your name. Uh, one that stands out to me because I used to dabble in the video games, Dead or Alive. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the video game adaptation. Now, with a project like that, is there any sort of pressure to dress characters like the video games or anything like that? There definitely is. I mean, there, there it, and it depends. It depends on on the focus of the project. If you're trying to create a recreation of of something, then you look at that very strictly. If you're trying to create, if you're trying to create your own interpretation of it then you have a little bit more latitude to extrapolate from what the the character is in the source material. That's the job of a costume designer, I think, and a production designer and a director is to decide if how you want to evolve a character. And that's actually what I really get off on because you come at it from the perspective of both the character and the actor, what they're bringing to it and what the director wants to say with it. So you have all these opportunities to like grow from it. And sometimes you just have to do a straight recreation of of a look and that's fine too because you have to honor the source material but you can also move beyond that and have a little bit more flexibility and 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 on certain projects you mentioned recreating certain looks um some of your other projects and i don't know if listeners know this about me but i'm kind of a sucker for uh for parodies and (laughs) you've done meet the spartans epic movie and a disaster movie uh can you talk about some of the challenges perhaps of um you know recreating some of the looks for some iconic movies uh in these parodies you know, those were super, super fun because even though they were relatively small movies, we had a big budget and I got to design and create and build 90% of the costumes in those. So like, you know, I had, I got to recreate or do my riff on these iconic costumes from these iconic movies for basically a 10-year period, which is really it's so fantastic to be given that that ability to riff on it. Like in... um when I dressed Jennifer Coolidge as the white witch in the, the line, the witch in the wardrobe, <laughs> it was like, I, I got to like the fun of parody, the fun of comedy for me is to be able to like make a commentary on what I'm seeing and what I'm recognizing, you know, and there was so much egregious use of fur in that movie that I wanted to, to bring that into our movie and make a comment on that. Like, why did you use so much fur? Was that necessary? Da, da, da. So like all the furs that I put on her, had faces like I made this just this big long cloak of like it was a rabbit fur cloak with a bunch of like I, I ordered all these rabbit like these baby like novelty rabbit heads from China and I put <laughs> hundreds of these rabbit heads on this cloak because I wanted every time that someone saw her because she's such a phenomenal phenomenally amazing comedian yeah I wanted I wanted to like give her that to play with so she was knowing that we were coming from this place of comedy of like there's a deeper thing to it's not just making it look silly it's it's having a deeper commentary about it and that was super fun that was super fun it was really great to do all that super challenging i mean we we had a good budget for most of those things but like you know when i'm trying to make a parody knockoff of the spider-man costume that i know, know that that cost 
millions of dollars to to manufacture and create and i'm making out of like puff paint on lycra <laughs> like i'm literally 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 in in meet the spartans when i have her as the black spider-man i was like i had this lycra bodysuit that i was painstakingly doing puff paint on a lycra bodysuit on a mannequin to to mimic that thing because i had comparatively twelve dollars to do their two million dollar costume yeah it was fun now, so you you design the costumes. I had imagined you work with the team. What is that like? Do they assign like a certain amount of number based off of the budget, or because you know I would imagine like the bigger movies with a bigger cast, you would have a bigger team of people working with you. It all depends. I mean, typically, my average crew is about ten to fifteen people. Wow. Um, and that goes everything for like, you know, I, if I'm the department head, then I have the the costume supervisor who basically runs the whole team, the whole department. Um, I've got my set customers, my tailors, my PAs, my shoppers. There, there's there's a there's a whole fleet of people that that make this all happen. And it's I mean, like anything, you're only as good as your as your team. And um, I've been very lucky and I'm very grateful for the great people that I've got to work with over the years. Oh, sure. I mean, speaking of uh, collaborations, um, I want to pass on a, a little shout out from Becca Kenyon, uh, our previous <laughs> interview. She, uh, she she spoke highly of you and, and enjoyed working or collaborating with, uh, with, with the costume uh, department for, you know, props and such like that. She, she brought up an example of um, uh, Peyton Liss's uh, bracelet. So she had to go mm-hmm. and take a look at that, see what it looks like. So that way they can develop one where she can wear it that, that it won't injure people. Right. And that's, and she's awesome. She was so, so much fun to work with. So professional, really incredible. And like, it, like a lot of times there's a lot of, a lot of crossover between props and costumes. And sometimes it's a little gray about whose job is what. And she was always so, such a phenomenal collaborator is, is the best word because it was all about like, let's get, how do we want to do this? Right. So it's like the, I had this mandate from the script and from the, the, the creators to make this, piece of this bracelet that would do the action right but then she has her job is to make sure that it's safe for the actors so it's like you know that's part of my job too when i say to my actors in a fitting if i'm putting you in something that you don't feel like the character you have to tell me don't just like don't just like oh okay i'll just wear this or whatever if i don't make you feel like the character then i'm not doing my job right so it's like and i'm hopefully most of the time it's a it's a good collaboration with all of that and Becca was really great to like take that to that props level where we sh- we were able to make Peyton feel very comfortable and safe with having this bracelet she knew that she couldn't actually hurt Mary with when she's doing the action, right? So it's like she knew that she could then do go full force with the stunt, knowing that she couldn't actually hurt her friend and her coworker, right? So that's all part of our magic of like being able to like put that on the screen because if she had to hold back or be hesitant because she felt she could actually hurt someone or whatever, then none of us are doing our job. So before we get even deeper into Cobra Kai, I have to ask, were you a Karate Kid fan? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was, I'm, I'm a little bit only slightly younger than, than Ralph and Billy. And I was like what 16 17 when the show came out and like that was like that was so it was so funny to like my first fittings with both of them were like you you try to like downplay the the sort of like the 
your coworkers and your colleagues, but you're also like, there's this history and, and it, there, there's that first moment in a, in a fitting with someone where you go, you have to like realize that they're, they're a person, they're an actor. They're like, they're, they're not that character, but having grown up with that movie, it was a, uh, it's, it's a total treat. And there's such, there's such great guys. And so made it so easy to transition to that. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I, I, I mean, I, I've, I flew down to um, Atlanta for Dragon Con, and uh, Hayden was gracious enough with his time to uh, show me around the sets. But I have met, you know, Martin or Marty, I guess Billy and and uh, Ralph at like the Comic Cons. The first time was here in Portland when they they came for the Rose City Comic Con, and then I saw them again at Dragon Con. So, um, but they're, they're always friendly, very courteous to the fans, and uh, the, you know, not not the type to like shoo people away after like a signature. You know, they they really ask you some questions and and uh, have conversations with us. I mean, that's what's really fun about this show in particular is that. Nobody is just like phoning it in. It, it, we all take it very seriously. We're either fans or like we're not dismissive. It's not just a paycheck or just some sort of like something that we're doing to keep our names up, you know, up in the world. It's we all care about these characters. We all care about the story that that we're conti- getting to continue to tell, which is such a it's such a it's a, such a treat to be able to do that, and it's such a treat to work with everybody who's on the same level of that. Yeah, it, it again it's pretty amazing. I mean, the the, the characters of Miyagi, Kreese, um Johnny yeah. and and Daniel, you know, they're, they're all iconic. You know, they're historical yeah. figures and people want to be a part of that. And I think, you know, John, Josh and Hayden do an amazing job at telling the story and um bringing the fans back into this universe and creating uh, new fans with the the new generation as well. Um so with Cobra Kai, how did you land that job? I mean, in part, it was working. It's the production company in Atlanta that puts this on. I've worked with on many shows. I've done like I think I've done like seven shows in Atlanta. I'm based in LA, but I've worked in Atlanta more than more than I've ever worked in LA. Oddly enough, um, hmm. and so that that production team production team initially put me forward to them. But it really was like what I brought to the table. You know, like like connecting with Josh, John, and Hayden about the the tone and the temperament of the show um the way that i like to run my department the way that i like like to interact the way that i like to to the culture you create on set is super important and especially when you're trying to coming at it not as a sense of like comedy or parody coming at it from a sense of like this is just real life this is like this is something this is a responsibility to keep telling the story i think is what like you know ended up getting me the job and um uh it's just a connection with those guys that, that has been instrumental in doing that so, and, and I just wanted to clear things up. You are the uh, costume designer for both season one and two. Yes, and three. Oh, and three. Okay. So uh, yeah. IMDb had not updated yet. So, okay, that's awesome. Yeah, and hopefully four. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, oh, I, I bet. Uh, obviously, I would love to speak to you about three uh, once that comes out. Um, you know, we're all waiting for it, obviously. It's going to be good. It's so good. <laughs> That's what it, it's so good. Hayden, it, you know, Hayden, if you're listening, he is such a troll. On Twitter, he kept on <laughs> telling people how he, you know, has been uh, watching season three ever since be- the beginning of the year. He's like, all right, guys, we get it. You guys have seen the finale n- a number of times, and now they're just watching three while yeah. everyone else is waiting here, j- just waiting for a teaser, a trailer, or even a release date even. Yeah. I wish I, I wish I had some some news to to slip in there, but it's like I don't know either because I really want to see it. Like you know, we it's so it's such an interesting perspective because we know, we we read the scripts, we shoot the scenes, we know everything that happens. We don't know when season one came out. We knew that it was good, 
I didn't know how good it was going to be until I actually saw it. So like, there's a lot of anticipation for me to see season three too, because even though I know what goes on and there's some really phenomenally good stuff that we're, you're going to love that happens in the, in the season. I don't know how it's all going to get cut together. I don't know what's going to make, make the final thing. I don't know what the music they're going to play. I don't know how they're going to do it. So it's, it's such a treat for me as both as a fan as, and as a person who worked on the show to watch it because it's like, like Oh, that's how they did it. Like, Oh, that take was the one or like, Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I again, I can't even imagine. That sounds like an amazing position to be in to to kind of see it all uh, unravel, right? Yeah, totally. So now, uh, before we get into like the, the characters and and some of the work that you have done as a costume designer, are you typically like on set during filming or anything like that? I'm on set. Um, I'm not on set full time. I go. The, I'm I'm always present when a new outfit is being established. So, like the first time we see a new look on a character on camera i'm there to make sure it looks exactly how i want it to look okay. but then once that scene starts going it takes you know it can take anywhere from like a few hours to a few days to shoot us a, a given scene and i've got a bunch of guest cast and a bunch of other actors to dress i've got like you know i'm i'm typically when we're shooting we're shooting one episode while prepping the next episode and then occasionally pulling up some other work from either previous episodes or future episodes to shoot at the same time. So I'm juggling a lot of different looks that I'm responsible to like create. And then I have my amazing team on set are the ones that like maintain it once it gets on camera. This is jumping way ahead from where I would like to start, but I want to ask just in case I forget. Uh, but I, I also spoke with Paul Walter Hauser and um, he, he talked about his beard. Now, was that costume or was that prop? His beard was a combination, like less costume, a little bit of, um, uh, it was all hair and makeup. Actually, it was <laughs> oh, makeup. Okay. It's funny. It's, it's, I, I just learned this a couple of years ago. Makeup is in charge of facial hair, oh. whereas the hair department is in charge of all the head hair. So like they don't have as much of a conversation about facial hair, which I thought like, okay, that's counterintuitive, but also kind of makes sense. It does. So the, um, yeah. So the, the, the makeup artist department head was the one who would have the conversation with John, Josh and Hayden about the particular shape of the beard and how to maintain that. Yeah. Okay. And anytime, like there was also times when we had to go back and reshoot some stuff with Billy in season one, where obviously he starts out the season out with like, with a, a bit of a beard. And then by the time, you know, we had to reshoot some stuff, the beard had been shaved off. So they had to like recreate his exact beard because we would be shooting and uh, on a given day, we'd be shooting on the same day, like stuff from episode one and then stuff from episode seven where he has no beard. So we'd have to put the beard on, take the beard off. Right. All this amazing continuity and stuff. And that's that's definitely the, our, the amazing makeup and hair team that does that. Oh, that's awesome. If you can take us back to season one, you know, b before it all started, uh, what is the process like for you? The script and the characters and how much of the decision is like direction from the creative team and your own? On every show, it is a little bit different, but primarily the process for me is like when I get the script, I read it and then I create a, a, a what we call a deck or a presentation, usually in like PowerPoint or, or Keynote. 
a visual study of references for the character. For me, it's the clothes. I know that hair and makeup teams do their own things. Props do their own things. They, they, we present these inspiration boards of the character uh, for each and every character, for each and every episode. I present to them like, okay, here's how Ralph is going to look at the dealership. Here's how Ralph is going to look at the prom. Here's how Billy's going to look, you know, when he's down and out. Here's how he's going to look in his gi. And even with like, Oh, I have to make sure I don't mix up my episodes and give you the spoiler. Um, <laughs> I gotcha. Uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, but, but I, I basically I present uh, to the showrunners a visual representation of the characters. And they go like, oh, yes, that's exactly how we're thinking. Or no, we think it's more like this. You know, that's where the, the, conversa- the creative conversation comes in. With John, Josh, and Hayden, having done all three episodes, you know, by, by season three – they said to me, it's like, you know, if we don't say anything, when you send your, the fitting photos, it's approved, right? If we have a note, we'll tell you, but otherwise it's, we're good with what you do, which is great. And that's why I love working with them and working. When you have that relationship with the creatives, there's a shorthand, there's a, there's an ease that comes from all that, which is really great. It's harder like on pilots and like, and you know, when you do the first season, we had input from YouTube. We had input from Sony. We had input from you know everyone is very there's they're very concerned about what what you're establishing. You know, so there's a little bit more scrutiny. Right. Oh wow. Yeah, but as you go, yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people to please. So with the um, characters like Johnny and Daniel in in season one, was there anything specific that the creative team did tell you that they wanted for wardrobe? There wasn't so much a specific like. We want to see is this exactly there were things that I mean, that that's the fun with this show that I got to explore was them to really respond to the Easter eggs I would throw in like the little the little things that. OK, here's this is my favorite thing in uh, season one, the roller skate Halloween party. They show up and like there's there's moments of like pretty in pink, whatever. Oh, it's season two or season two. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. I found the exact leather jacket that Billy wore in a Tiger Heat photo shoot. That red leather jacket that Sholo wears at the roller rink is the exact jacket that Billy wore in that spread back in 1984 or 85. And I found that I recreated the patches. I basically made it identical to the one that he wore. And there's a moment in that episode where Sholo goes and borrows the jacket from from the closet from his closet exactly and so it's it's just one of those those little easter eggs that i was able to throw in and that they appreciate that i appreciate and i love i love being able to bring that kind of stuff to a show like this so sholo wearing johnny's jacket that was your decision yes wow yeah, that, was, that was my decision to wow. dress him like that's like i wanted him <laughs> i wanted him to like go into because the because they're building friendship they're building like like this, you know, father-son sort of situation they were having in that season, I wanted him to, like, go into his closet and not really know what he was grabbing. It's like, oh, here's this cool 80s jacket I'm going to put on. But we, as fans, would know, would recognize that from something that he, that Billy would keep in his closet that he would still have because he's sort of, like, trapped in amber. He hasn't really, like, grown or evolved that much. You know, it's, it's just these layers of, like, costume geekery that, I get off on that maybe nobody else really does, but it, it thrills the heck out of me to like, you know, even to just be able to talk about it is, is sort of like, this is some of the fun of my, my job. Oh, well, I, I think that's uh, the, the thing that listeners uh, of Cup Cat Companion appreciate about the, the, the interviews is hearing these behind the scenes stories, these little Easter eggs that they would have just casually missed. Um, we, we hear these stories and we appreciate 
you know, the, 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 the love and the touches you guys put in to recreating this, this world that we grew up watching. Yeah, for sure. We are, we're all on the same page about that. Yeah. Uh, now, with the character of Samantha, was there a conscious decision to dress her like any particular character from the movies? I mean, there was an element of wanting to have her be a little bit. I mean, not a, not a ton. I like to throw it. I like to throw in little like Easter eggs of a style, especially in season two. I threw in little elements of that, but it wasn't. It. I wanted all these characters to be themselves because they were presented as themselves. They weren't trying to be like, um, like Shallow isn't supposed to be like isn't supposed to be a young version of either of them. There's maybe there's elements of both of them that, that are in there, which is makes it fun and interesting to do. Uh, because if we were just trying to like, it'd turn into a sitcom really fast. If we mm-hmm. tried to like make them be, I don't know, simulacrum of, of the original characters. So there's elements that we threw in, but there's nothing that was a direct mandate or a direct link to most of that. Okay. With season one, was there any character you found challenging to create for? It was a trick to get Billy in the right tone, um, to get him to be not a joke, right? So like to show that that sort of like the down and out and then the cool guy, but have everything feel natural and feel authentic to the characters. And that's one of the great things about both of those guys is that they know these characters better than anybody else. So anything that doesn't feel right or authentic, they will say like, you know what, even this, I will... It's, <laughs> It was a bit of a joke because with Billy, would, like sometimes we'd have to have like felt like twenty five identical black t shirts to find <laughs> the right black t shirt for him, you know. And like, and we throw in a, lo- a little like band t shirts throughout the seasons. Try not to do too many of them, but it's like that 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 character, that person would have gone to these concerts, and he doesn't really buy new clothes. So it's like you would have to dig out, like find the right exact band that he would have gone to. Or the right concert we've gone to and bought the the bought the concert tee, but then still had that because it's all that's all he ever really wears, and that was a really fun thing to to dig up. But it wasn't like it wasn't like it was mandated. Okay, in season one, episode seven, uh, Johnny goes before the All Valley Board. the The suit that he wears <laughs> in the suitcase. What can you tell me about that? Well, you know, the funny thing was with scripted as like an ugly suit, you know, because (laughs) he doesn't own any suits and it feels like it was a suit that he would have bought or had maybe from high school, or maybe he had to go out to and just kind of thrift it because he's kind of like a little bit broke, but he also wanted to put on a good face, right? So he didn't want to be like, he wasn't walking in to be a joke. It was a fine line to choose the right thing. There was both visual comedy and also like something that was appropriate for him. So it's like, I made sure that the tie was a very nineties tie. Maybe he had, maybe this is a suit that he bought in 1992 when he had a job interview or something. We don't know what really happened in between that time when high school ended and we pick him up, right? Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, it was um, super, super fun to do that fitting, honestly, with him. Now, with season two, you, you had mentioned um, maybe some conscious decisions in dressing some characters to kind of reference the, the movies. I, I would imagine some of the Miyagi-Do uh, students, you know, wearing like the, the baseball, the, the, you know, the, the dual color thing with the sleeves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that one of them? I mean, there's elements that I threw in there. Like, I tried to like throw in some visual references to the original show without being like too obvious or being too... Um, there weren't a lot of like direct, this is supposed to be this 
person because honestly, I mean, as when we only get like maybe one script ahead of what's happening. So if we're shooting, you know, episode two, we've all read episode three's script, but I don't know four or five and six. I may not even know the whole arc of what's going to happen for the season until I get the script. So there's not always a ton I can do unless the, the guys will clue me in about some stuff where I can like then create a thread. But it's really hard to do things because I don't also want to shoot myself in the foot. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to like trap myself into something like, oh, well, I was making this character who's like, you know, one of our featured extras be this this one thing. But then suddenly I've got to pivot somewhere else for another character. Also in season two, we get the addition of Peyton. This is character Tori. Uh, what yeah. was it like creating her look? Oh, so fun. I mean, she's like that girl that I love. I live in Southern California. So I love like, I loved being able to like take that bad girl sort of surfer Southern California aesthetic and like put it onto her and, you know, moderate it for who the character was. And she is such a dream to work with. She's so delightful. Now, I I completely forgot about Hawk uh, because in season one, we see him as Eli and then his transformation. Uh, What about the decisions in dressing Eli versus Hawk? What's been really fun with those two is getting to like transform. It's sort of like that dream. Like I, I was a geeky little kid. Right. And I never like had that, that sort of the radical transformation that, that Hawk had, but to be able to like take a character and help him go from this dorky little kid into this like, you know, cool kid, but then also being like kind of a, a jerk that's a big part of the fun that I have being able to evolve a character like that, because I, I can make him slowly cooler and slowly, like I can play with the colors, you know, the, between the Miyagi-Do and the Cobra Kai kids, they had a very strict palette. Like, you know, Cobra Kai's, they always wore gold, red, black. Those were the main colors for them. Hmm. With Miyagi-Do, it was blues, greens, purples, cooler tones. So it's like warm versus cool. And it was like within that realm, I could like I could play with a lot of things and to move, you know, when um, again, I almost did the spoiler. I just stopped. <laughs> um, <laughs> Even if you do, you could tell me to edit it out. You know, I'll uh, be happy to do that. Cool. Um, but like in season three, it gets even stronger. Like the, the, the teams get even more more fractured. And like what happens with the rival dojos is I get to have a lot of fun with color and style to really help establish visually the two different the the different dojos now what about the the tournament scene from season one and uh the the different karate schools did you have a hand in uh, creating some of the other schools look or did they come wearing their own stuff oh okay no totally yeah yeah yeah. we created all those things because i think there were two schools that were existing schools but we made the geese for them and one of the schools one of the rival teams was our um, stunt coordinator, Hiro, it was his home dojo mm-hmm. that yep. we created the team for. Um, that's another like a small insider Easter egg kind of thing where like like there, there are some fake dojos that we made and some real dojos that we made. Yeah. Um, Owen's mom, uh, they they came on Bert, you know, Bert. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their, their school was news as well. Yeah, exactly. Again, it's like it's keeping it real. There's this there's a sense that this that this world actually exists so to bring in things from the real world is part of keeping it grounded in reality now what is um some of your uh, favorite pieces uh, whether it was recreated uh from the original movies uh or just original stuff from season one and two not three 
<laughs> well, my favorite thing really was in episode one, season one, the intro where we there's a, there's a whole scene from the original movie we had to recreate where oh, right, it's like yeah. it's it's young Johnny who gets kicked and we do this whole they wanted this whole crane shot. It's basically the opening frame where it comes down. There's this crane shot that goes down into the into the Cobra Kai logo on the back of of the gi. I needed to re then recreate the original on-screen gi on a body double for Johnny so that we could do this scene, so we could actually recreate that. And I don't know, just through through research, found a guy in Ohio. He has a custom t-shirt company, and he he makes, among his things, he makes licensed Cobra Kai Karate Kid um, gear. And he owns one of the original, there was multiple of these original geese, but he owns one of those original geese from the movie. And I just reached out to him and said like, hey, my friend, here's the story. <laughs> I'm doing this show. And people had heard of it and were very excited about, about this project happening. And what was really super cool, he's the coolest guy in the world. And he basically agreed to loan us this original gi that I could put on our actor. So it's, a, it's it, what... This is a total dream for costume designers. The original costume that we're needing to recreate a scene from 40 years ago to actually have that actual thing, the actual costume on that person to be able to do that scene was really awesome. And what I was able to do in return for him was I made him an extra in that scene where Johnny goes to the, the karate board to plead his case. And the guy who loaned us that gi was one of the board members in that scene. So I was able to make him an extra in our show as a favor for giving loaning us that, that gi. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it was yeah. super fun. That, it was super fun. Because he also was a big fan, obviously, of the show. Sure, yeah. And, you know, getting to meet getting to meet Bill and getting to meet Ralph and, like, just to be part of that was, like, really awesome to be able to facilitate that, too. Yeah. Uh, well, as, as we uh, get ready to wrap up here, obviously, uh, mum's the word on season three. We're all anticipating <laughs> and excited for it. Um, yeah. well, what is maybe uh, some advice you can give to somebody who is looking to, to work in costume design? I mean, the best advice I have for someone who wants to work in costume design is to think of another job. It's, I mean, it's, 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 it's actually really hard work. You have to, you have to really, you have to really, you have to really. I've never heard this to, before. You know what? Don't do funny. it. <laughs> Don't do it. Like think of something else. Right. You can make better money in a different way. You have to really, the thing is that you have to really love it. It is hard work. Working the movies and then and on TV shows is like, it seems glamorous, but it is like our minimum hour day is a 12 hour day. It's usually 12 to 14 hours of work every day. It's grueling. It's it can be very exhausting. It can be very stressful. You have to love it. You know, it's like it's not something you have to get into it because you love to do this. And I love doing this, which is why I keep doing it. The thing that's important to realize is that you have to work hard. You have to be driven. You have to have a little bit of talent about it too. But you have to want to do it and have to have a good attitude about everything because you got to be able to handle the pressure. To be able to handle the pressure, but you also have to be able to, to be part of a team. You have to remember, like, it's not, I mean, there, there's a lot of elements to it. Um, the easiest answer is, like, you have to love it, you know, because it, it's it's long hours, it's hard work, it's immensely gratifying, but you have to love doing it because it's not all glamour. It's not all, like, celebrities and fashion and, and excitement. A lot of those elements in there, but it's a lot of hard work in the midst of it all. And that concludes my conversation with Frank Helmer. I want to thank him again for giving me the opportunity to pick his brain 
and hear about experience working on Cobra Kai. If you want to give him a follow on Instagram, I'll include the link in the show notes so you guys can find it a lot easier. Uh, but for us, if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at Cobra Kai Podcast. On Twitter, we're at Cobra Kai Pod. And I haven't pimped it out in a while, but we have a group on Facebook. If you want to join in the community, we have a blast in there. Just type in Cobra Kai Companion on Facebook and I'm sure we'll populate. If YouTube is your thing, subscribe to our channel, Cobra Kai Companion, Companion with a K. Uh, we have a few episodes up there and we have a few others in the works as well. If you were a newer listener and you enjoyed this interview, we've had the opportunity to speak with many people involved with the show and some actors from some of the original movies as well. So I want to thank you guys for your continued support. And if you have not yet done so and really enjoy what we do here, please consider taking a few minutes to give us a rating and or star review on Apple Podcasts. And I'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Court and Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court and Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com.